0: From the great state of Ohio, Buckeye Firearms Association presents Keep and Bear Radio. Fighting for Second Amendment rights, calling out media lies, and telling the gun grabbers to come and take it. Now, Keep and Bear Radio. For years, many Ohio school boards had been authorizing the training and arming of teachers and staff in their schools. But anti-gun activists came into the state and filed a lawsuit to challenge the practice in a blatant effort to shut down these school security programs statewide. The case went to the Ohio Supreme Court, which, unfortunately, ruled with the plaintiffs. The ruling misinterpreted Ohio law, and required anyone authorized to carry a firearm in schools to go through more than 700 hours of police training, virtually none of which is in any way related to stopping active killers in schools. That made it necessary for the Ohio General Assembly to address the matter. Enter Representative Thomas Hall, a young legislator who has a personal connection an active killer incident. He introduced HB99, a bill backed by Buckeye Firearms Association that essentially reversed the Supreme Court ruling and returned authority over school security to school boards. And on September 12, HB99 became law in Ohio. That's what we're going to talk about on this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. I'm Dean Reek, Executive Director of Buckeye Firearms Association, and I'm joined by Ohio Representative Thomas Hall. Hi, Tom. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you uh, for having me on today. Tom, the Ohio Legislature is on break until after the November 8th election, and I know that you're busy with your reelection campaign, but what have you been up to during the summer?
1: Absolutely. Well, again, thank you for having me on today. Very excited to, to be with you uh, this summer uh, was a summer to remember, uh, but also a summer to forget with our primary election getting pushed to August, uh, very stressful summer, uh, trying to campaign to people while they're swimming in their pools or doing a lot of things. And the last thing they're thinking about is who's going to be their state representative. So just very fortunate uh, to get through the August primary uh, here in Butler County. Uh, we do have a general election, uh, so we'll all focus is to uh, November um, and, you know, working our new district, newly drawn district, uh, meeting some of those voters uh, down in Liberty Township. Uh, after the primary, I'll, I'll admit uh, to you uh, that we uh, I did take uh, a week or two, uh, went and see my grandparents, uh, went down uh, to the Biltmore and to Hilton Head for a little vacation. Uh, so got away for a little bit, but now we're back, uh, ready to go uh, see what November has for us. Uh, And then after November is obviously getting back to the house, uh, finishing up work. Uh, I do have some piece of legislation. I hope to get down in the lame duck in the next few months here.
0: Well, that sounds good. What I wanted to talk to you about, you know, aside from your election, was a bill that you passed called HB 99, probably one of the most impactful bills that we've ever passed here in Ohio. You know, Tom, for nearly a decade, Ohio school boards had been authorizing training and arming of teachers and staff in schools. And then we have these Bloomberg-funded, every town for gun safety, people come along. They filed suit in Madison local school district. And their aim was just to shut down these school security programs that involved armed staff members. Unfortunately, that went all the way to the Supreme Court. They agreed with the plaintiffs. And we did have... In fact, all of these security programs just shut down, and that's why the legislature had to get involved, and that's where you came in. Uh, On February 9th, if I have the date correct, of 2021, you introduced HB 99 to exempt those who are authorized to be armed in a school— From going through the 700 hours of training, the Supreme Court said that you had to go through. Basically, the ruling was you, you essentially had to be a police officer in order to be armed in the schools, and that just completely negated all of these security programs that we had all over the state. So I want to go back to the beginning on this. Why did you introduce the bill? What's the backstory for your personal involvement in HB 99?
1: Absolutely. Uh, House Bill ninety nine is, I argue, is probably one of the most important bills uh, that I will ever work on. Um, So thankful uh, that it is now law as of September eleventh. And where it started, I'll back up a little bit from the legislative part of it. Um, So I grew up and I went to school uh, at Madison High School uh, and here in Butler County. graduated 2014, um, went on to Miami University. uh, And then while I was in college, I was a a township trustee here in in Madison. I I won election and re-election. But during that time at Miami um, and being a township trustee, uh, Madison local schools, um, they had their first school shooting. And Uh, it's something that, you know, our community, uh, still talks about to this day, uh, obviously with House Bill 99, it's an event that, uh, you know, changed our community in a lot of ways. Uh, but at that school that day, uh, was my father, uh, Kent Hall, who is the school resource officer for Madison. Uh, he was working on as a part-time school resource officer that day. Um, and since that school shooting Uh, He was there. Uh, He had just left the cafeteria. Um, Once the shooting started, he rushed back in uh, in about seven to eight seconds back into the lunchroom that he just left um, with administrators and chased the gunman out the front door uh, where the the gunman was, or the student gunman was uh, eventually arrested, uh, probably about maybe a quarter of a mile from the the front entrance of the school. Uh, But since that day, uh, thankfully, nobody died, number one. Uh, since the day the school board, uh, they took action with adding another full-time uh, school resource officer, uh, making my dad full-time school resource officer. But the the biggest thing, and why we're kind of here today, is they decided to uh, arm their teachers and use utilize this practice uh, to make their schools safer. Uh, that uh, resolution, that action was met, obviously, uh, with – uh, frustrated, uh, parents from the other side of the issue. Uh, so five families end up suing, uh, the school case reached all the way up to the Supreme court, uh, where you had mentioned that Supreme court in June of 21 ruled, uh, with the five families and with Bloomberg, with the left, uh, that the, uh, teachers, uh, if armed need to have the police officer training, uh, over 700 hours of training, which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, my opinion, they did it. So, you know, nobody would do it. You know, they know that a lot of schools won't, um, put their teachers through over 700 hours of training, whether, you know, well, 700 hours training, let's talk about what's in that. Well, it's learn how to uh, arrest somebody, learn how to make a traffic stop, uh, things that teachers, you know, shouldn't have to be able to learn uh, to be able to carry a gun in their school, uh, to, uh, to protect their students and staff so what we did is we introduced house bill 99 and we introduced it with just a minimum of having a ccw requirement uh, now this idea for the bill uh, i was at a basketball game uh in january of 21 uh, and actually a school board member and um, some community members came up to me and asked uh, if i would help them in this uh, so quickly, I became up to date with with all the, the legislation. Senator Coley uh, put forth an, an idea, previous uh, General Assembly, uh, that had nothing in it. So uh, we kind of started with that, uh, with our policy team, uh, and we introduced House Bill 99, like you said, in February of 21. Uh, and that's kind of where it all started. That's my my background with it. We did experience a school shooting. We've been through a school shooting. Uh, and, you know, with my father still being the school resource officer at Madison, uh, obviously, school safety is a huge issue uh, for me uh, while we're in the Ohio House.
0: Now, Tom, why do you think that this bill was so controversial? I mean, it wasn't trying to force anyone to arm teachers. And this was seemed to be the impression that, you know, there were going to be people standing at the uh, school entrance handing out guns to teachers as they filed in. All it was really about was returning authority over security decisions to local school boards who are elected by the people in the community. But, you know, this bill became very controversial. There was a lot of pushback. Why do you think that was? Um,
1: If I'm being very honest with you, it was very controversial because nobody, nobody from the opponent side of things ever read the bill. Uh, They were just against the idea of having guns in school, period. Uh, We were never trying to debate that. Uh, As you know, that's already law. Uh, to allow for this practice, what we were trying to debate, what we were trying to, um, as the Supreme Court, you know, when they made the ruling, they said this was a gray area. We were trying to fix that gray area. Uh, the Supreme Court in the ruling obviously gave the legislature the ability to fix this gray area. And that is exactly what we did. Um, you know, there there was always a a false uh, assumption of the bill that we just kind of just ran this bill through last minute. That's not true. We went through eighteen different versions of this bill. Uh, we met with people that didn't like the bill. We met with people from the inner city. We met with people from uh, suburban districts. We met people from rural districts. Uh, we did our homework uh, with this bill. Uh, now you mentioned, you know, the opposition. I went back. Uh, you know, I, I couldn't attend all the hearings that they had on the bill, uh, but I would go back. And I would look at the submitted testimony to just see if we were missing anything. Uh, see if there was um, a part of the bill that, that needed to be addressed or a part of the bill that, that needed to, to make it better uh, for our district, but for the entire state of Ohio. And we actually did that. We added a transparency piece uh, in the house uh, to where if they, the school district does do, decide to do this practice, uh, they, they just have to notify by whatever means uh, they notify or they uh, communicate with the public regularly that they are going to be having this practice. Uh, We're still not giving away who the teachers are. Uh, We're still not giving away where the teachers are uh, or any of the, you know, important details that go along with it. What we are doing is setting up a permissive bill. Number one, to give local school boards the power to make the best decisions for their local school districts. Um, We did a lot of research uh, into the number of hours into what we kind of wanted to see uh, with those hours. Uh, We ended up with 24 as a minimum. And a lot of people say, well, why 24? Uh, If you talk to schools from all across Ohio, it doesn't matter if they're inner city or if they're they're rural, they all have different answers. Uh, Geographically, every school in Ohio is different. Uh, Some schools in the state of Ohio are actually uh, very fortunate. Uh, They have school resource officers. They have a local city that could be there uh, within, you know, two minutes, three minutes of an incident occurring. Uh, some schools in Ohio don't even have a school resource officer, and they rely on armed staff uh, in their schools. Uh, so what we were trying to do with the bill was craft a bill that, you know, obviously set minimum standards, uh, but allow the schools, if they so choose, to do as many as much training or as many hours uh, as they see fit for their school district. Uh, with giving that power back to the local school boards uh, in a lot of ways.
0: Were you surprised at who specifically opposed the bill? I mean, I I was looking through the, uh, the hearings, and, you know, you can go online, you can look this up. You can look at who testified. You can read their testimony. You know, it's all online. And opponents included the Ohio Federation of Teachers, Fraternal Order of Police, Ohio Education Association, NAACP, League of Women Voters, but at the same time, and I find this interesting, proponents of the bill included a lot of actual school districts. I mean, Indian Valley, Madison local, Edgerton local, Tuscarora's, you know, the schools were showing up and saying, we actually support this bill. But you have these political organizations who are saying that they oppose the bill. So what was going on with that?
1: I think that, you know, the teachers unions, um,
0: I think they're so out of touch.
1: with with, with what's going on in schools in the state of Ohio. I think that they're all for their political agendas in a lot of ways. Um, You know, the FOP was a surprise to me. Um, You know, I know they're a lobbyist, and I've I've talked to him about this bill and other things. Um, You know, he never really gave me a fine answer of why he was against it. Uh, With that being said, you know, I was grateful to have uh, the support of the Buckeye Sheriff's Association. Uh, They came out. Um, and, and was supportive of, of the bill and what we were trying to accomplish. So, um, you know, through our conversations with local schools, uh, I knew that not every school in Ohio would adopt this. Not every school in Ohio would enter, even entertain this. Uh, but with that being said, there are schools, schools in Ohio that need this practice. There are schools in Ohio uh, that this is really the only thing they have in the event of a school uh, incident happening uh, on their campuses. So, um, you know, I've, I've gotten a lot of pushback and a lot of criticism from uh, a lot of inner city schools and a lot of people that just honestly don't know what they're talking about when it comes to school safety. And what we've tried to do is, is be open to having conversations with people um, throughout the whole 18 months and 18 versions that we worked on this bill. But also remember what we you know intended when we first started the bill. Was giving that option back to the local school boards, uh, who are elected, just like we are, every two years, um, to make the best decisions for their for their students and staff. And I, I, uh, you know, I, I look back on the the journey that that got us uh, to the the bill signing in June. And you know, this bill, I've continuously tried to work this bill throughout my first year and a half in the legislature because I knew how important it was. And, you know, seeing other events happen in other states, uh, obviously the last one to happen before uh, schools let out and, you know, before we, we ended up finishing up for summer was the situation in Texas. And, you know, when that situation, you've already happened, uh, my phone, you know, just kept blowing up with, with superintendents, with, you know, law enforcement, um, with educators reaching out saying, hey, you know, where's your bill at? You know, we need this bill here in Ohio. Uh, what can we do to advocate for it? And, you know, that's when all the phone calls started going on. And we already had, you know, a hearing in the Senate uh, on the bill. So it's not like we just woke up one day and wrote a bill and and signed it into law. Uh, We had had hearings. We had, you know, worked it through the House. Um, So I was just, uh, you know, again, grateful uh, for Senate leadership, House leadership and the governor's office for being able to get this done.
0: Tom, you had 32 co-sponsors in the House and 12 co-sponsors in the Senate. So obviously you had a lot of support from your peers. What was it like to get all of those co-sponsors? Was, was that a difficult process? Did people just sign up immediately? How did you go about signing up all of that support?
1: Absolutely. So um, any with any bill, I, I very seldom look at the co-sponsors um, You know, in the beginning or even towards towards the end. Uh, but what I was very impressed with uh, was with how many of my colleagues, you know, stood with me uh, on the House floor, uh, went over to the Senate because we were on a break uh, in the House um, during session and got to watch some of the, you know, senators debate this on their floor. Uh, and to see, you know, some of the senators, some of the things they were saying were uh, some, some of the things we've always been saying is how, you know, we're giving schools the chance to have this practice. Uh, and that we're not mandating uh, anybody to do this. Uh, they have every right to do this, just like they have every right not to do this. And one of the you know, criticisms I've, I've had as of late is, you know, a lot of schools haven't, uh, you know, had this practice yet uh, of, of, of arming their teachers because it is new. Uh, but what I said is, you know, just because they're not arming their teachers right now doesn't mean they're not going to in the future. Uh, But probably the most important thing I can speak to in my area of of Butler County uh, where I'm from uh, and the conversations I've had with school districts down here is the whole topic of school safety is now at the forefront of these school districts Uh, and having House Bill 99 signed into law is just giving them another option uh, to protect their students and staff. Uh, And I've actually spoke at a few school board meetings Uh, about this bill uh, specifically. uh, One of the largest school districts in the state of Ohio is Lakota uh, local schools here in Butler County. Uh, I spoke at their school board meeting uh, and outlined the bill, talked about what we were accomplished with the bill. Uh, So, you know, whereas a lot of schools haven't adopted any policies on their staff um, because the bill is obviously just now getting uh, into effect from being signed into law, um, they are taking a look at all their school safety plans uh, and they are making adjustments. Uh, I, one of my schools here in, in our district right now, uh, they have added uh, three new SROs. Another school added two more SROs uh, to their school school system uh, just here locally. So I know at least the conversation uh, about my bill is, is being had uh, and, you know, nobody in their right mind um, is is, you know, thinking about school safety without thinking about what if we arm our teachers or what if we don't arm our teachers? And I, I think it's just really important for schools to revise their school safety plans uh, and to update their school safety plans. Another important uh, part to House Bill 99 was the, uh, the Senate part that got added um, where it sets up the Ohio mobile training team uh, where they're going to go in and actually help train these schools on their school safety plans Uh, That was obviously a a Senate bill that got added uh, to House Bill 99. Uh, So we're going to have some checks and balances, obviously, with with school school safety plans. And, um, you know, those conversations obviously were were had uh, when um, the school safety topic was coming up, even before anything happened in other states. And, you know, Senator Hoagland um, had a bill. uh, I had a bill. And what we found is they actually work well together. They're not competing with each other, in my opinion. Uh, They're two different ideas or two different things that schools can do. Uh, But I was very passionate. I wanted to make sure schools uh, had that uh, option uh, to have arm staff uh, in their building with them getting more of the the local control part uh, of the decision making.
0: So, uh, Tom, I was going to ask about the, uh, you know, amendments in the Senate. How did, exactly did that come about? Because your original bill was pretty straightforward. All it really did was exempt teachers and staff or anyone who's authorized to go armed in the schools from having to go through that 700 plus hours of training. And then when it came out of the Senate, it had, you know, significant revisions with this whole. Um, Ohio School Safety and Crisis Center uh, stuff under the Department of Safety, all of that was added to it. So how exactly did that come about? Why was that put in the bill? Why didn't your original bill just pass as it was?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, very, very good question. Um, You know, going back to even before it got passed out of the House, um, when it was, you know, on the calendar to be passed out of the House, uh, and it was passed on a committee. I started meeting with some senators and started getting a feel for where they were, uh, with this idea of, of our bill. Um, and the Senate was very passionate about having, uh, the Ohio school safety center, uh, the Ohio mobile training team, you know, in that school safety center. Uh, so with working with them, um, that was a, a very important part to members of the Senate. Um, my main concern was keeping house bill 99, uh, you know, as clean as possible from what I put in it, as far as being permissive, as far as leaving the transparency piece in it and setting that minimum, but not maximum. Uh, So it was really a joint effort, if I'm being honest with you, uh, between what, you know, I envisioned with the original bill, uh, what the Senate had in a different Senate bill that wanted to put in it. uh, And also working with our governor's um, staff on, the specifics of the 24 hours. Uh, you know, we're not just saying, "Hey, there's 24 hours." You know, go do whatever you want with the 24 hours. That's not true at all. We actually, you know, listed out what was going to be in the 24 hours uh, and what the teachers we envisioned would have to have. And one of the parts of that that training is is actually having, uh, you know, live simulated training uh, where teachers are, you know, on a range or in a simulation, you know, training with a gun and you know, doing a lot of things that might occur in an active shooter situation. So uh, I really think it was a, more than anything, it was a joint effort uh, from all three, um, you know, the Senate, the House, and the governor's office uh, to come to the final conclusion of the 18th version uh, of the bill. Um, And the big part for me is, you know, I had to obviously go back to my caucus uh, and go back to my colleagues in the House and, you know, tell them what the Senate had uh, changed or put in it. And sell that to them. So uh, I I know that, that I'm very thankful for uh, my colleagues in the house for believing in me and for you know voting for this bill for a lot of them for co-sponsoring it uh, and standing with me on this bill uh, as it's you know went through you know a roller coaster uh, of different emotions uh, getting to the the final version and getting it signed into law in June of of, of this year.
0: Now the act goes into effect on September 12th. 2022. So that's on the day that this podcast comes out. We're recording this a a few days earlier. So as people are listening to this, Tom, HB99 is now the law. Now, opponents have predicted, you know, as they do with every gun bill that comes out, all of these apocalyptic scenarios. They've talked about, you know, students having trauma from the fact that guns are in schools or teachers are going to murder students who misbehave all, all of these really crazy things. Do you think anything like that is going to happen? Is there going to be any bad fallout from this bill or any of the, uh, the people who are armed in schools?
1: You know, I, I can't, uh, you know, speak to the, the future. Um, but I, I, it makes me, when people start talking about House ninety nine and, you know, start telling me how all these crazy things or all these things might happen and, you know, in a classroom or, or in their community, it's kind of the same argument that they had whenever, uh, Senate bill 215 constitutional carry, uh, was going through and constitutional carry went into effect. And, um, you know, I don't know about you, but I, down here in Southwest Ohio, we were, uh, we had a lot of constituents down here that were very supportive of constitutional carry. Uh, and we have yet to see any of the madness that, uh, we had heard when we were voting on the bill uh, with house bill 99, I know it's a little bit different of a bill. Um, I think, you know, I still believe that it's it's going to make school safer here in state of Ohio. Um, and that, you know, no parent should ever fear sending their child uh, to school uh, here in, in the state of Ohio, or even in just our district here in, in Butler County. Uh, I think that the way we crafted the bill We left a lot of decisions up to, again, the local school boards uh, for the local control part uh, of the bill. Um, And, you know, I'm just very thankful that, you know, Director Strickrath, Department of Public Safety, uh, he and his team uh, over there have, you know, worked uh, throughout this whole summer uh, with hiring people, getting things put in place uh, for this uh, piece of legislation. So uh, very optimistic. Uh, obviously grateful that this is going to be going into effect, um, you know, two weeks after the school year started. Uh, so those schools will have something, uh, here in the state of Ohio. I, I talked to, uh, a lot of schools, like I talked about before, you know, one school always sticks out to me when I, when I talked to them and, you know, they, they had like 15 or 16, 17 armed staff. And I'm like, wow, like, you know, you don't have to tell me why, but like, that seems kind of high for a school district. I said, do you have like, you know, 15, 16 buildings? Or am I just like, am I missing something? And he said, the average response time on a good day is like 20 minutes for their local police. And he said, so we're we're trying to do everything that our communities bought into this idea, trying to do everything we can to ensure uh, safety for our students and staff. So you know, there's stories of like that all across Ohio, especially with the rural parts of Ohio. Um, I believe the same day the Bill got signed into law, Cincinnati Public Schools, to no surprise, voted not to do this. Well, Cincinnati Public Schools has school resource officers. Cincinnati Public Schools has a police force that could be there within a minute or two minutes. Uh, so, you know, seeing some of these people come out against it, it doesn't make sense to me because they really don't think about the bigger picture uh, of this topic. Uh, and of what we're trying to accomplish um, and that this bill affects not just our area, but the entire state of Ohio. Uh, So just very grateful uh, that, you know, House Bill 99 got done. uh, And, you know, like I said, this was probably the most uh, important piece of legislation that uh, I will work on. uh, And I'm just, you know, optimistic to see what the next steps are uh, once we, once the program gets up and running, schools start to go down this path.
0: Well, Tom, you know, you're a pretty young guy and here you are, you've got this major legislative victory on your record. How do you feel about that?
1: I think it all goes back to um, the respect uh, and the hard work we put in uh, through the first year and a half with our colleagues. Um, Coming to Columbus, we're obviously the youngest member in the Ohio House. Um, And I, I was, I didn't know how to how to take that in Columbus, Uh, but just very thankful uh, for the support and the respect we've earned from colleagues from all across Ohio Uh, and continue to work hard each and every day. Um, A lot of members had a lot of questions about this bill and a lot of members uh, I would meet with, I'd talk with, I would, you know, listen to their concerns Uh, and just so grateful that, like I said, they stood with me uh, throughout this whole process uh, on this piece of legislation um, and it all goes back to, you know, giving credit to where credit is due. And, you know, I'm just so thankful and blessed uh, to be a part of uh, such a great family uh, here in Butler County. Uh, thankful for all the opportunities God's given me in, in my you know, 27 years of life uh, and will continue to do uh, things to impact not only this district, but this, this great, great state of Ohio. Um, and I'm just optimistic of, of what's next. I, I want to continue to get legislation done. I uh, want to continue to work with my colleagues uh, to move Ohio forward.
0: So, Tom, you're running for re-election in the Ohio House in District 46. Is that correct? I want to make sure because these districts have been really confusing this year. So you're, you're, for, you're still 46, right?
1: We, well, we went from 53 to 46. Okay. Uh, Bowler County grew. Uh, was very excited to see Bowler County... You know, growing our our county, you know, moving up. We have four reps now in our, our county with different parts. Uh, so we are going to be forty six. But you know, don't hold that for too long because we might be redraw lines again next year. So
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that's sort of the nightmare that never ends. What what I'm getting to though. So you're you're running a, for re-election in District forty six. I don't think it's going to shock anyone when I say that our endorsement committee, Buckeye Farms Association pack. We're about to come out with our grades and endorsements, and I can tell you in advance that the committee has decided not to just give you an A, but a very rare A-plus with a full and enthusiastic endorsement. So we're we're behind you. We appreciate all the work that you've done. What's your prediction for your race? Are are you going to get elected again?
1: Absolutely. And, and number one, thank you for that. Uh, that means more to me than, than you guys know. Um, you know, I think through the body of work that we put in through this first year and a half with uh, being a strong advocate for the Second Amendment, working on legislation or co-sponsoring legislation uh, and voting ultimately uh, for legislation that moves the Second Amendment, make it, makes it stronger here in the state of Ohio, moves it in the right direction. Uh, I think it's been an important focus uh, for not only my office, but several of our, our colleagues here in the House, Um, You know, this re-election, the primary was a very tough primary for us down here in Ballard County. Um, The general election, uh, we are not taking anything for granted uh, here in in the the new 46th district, uh, really getting out um, and and meeting with people, going door to door, you know, doing signs uh, and doing everything we can to put us in the best uh, position possible to to win for re-election. You know, I don't look at the numbers or listen to the people that say, Oh, it's, it's gonna, it's a 70, 30 district. You're going to be fine. I don't listen to any of that. Um, you know, I want to make sure that we're putting, uh, and I say, we, my campaign team and I, I, I have a lot of help down here in Butler County and just so grateful for, for those people stepping up, uh, to help us in our reelection. Uh, but this is an important election for, for my race. Yes. Uh, it's an important re- election, election all the way up uh, to the governor's seat. Uh, And our Senate seat, you know, J.D. Vance is is from Middletown, Ohio. That's where I represent right now uh, is Middletown. Uh, I live obviously just west of there in Madison Township. But, you know, the Senate race, the governor's race, uh, those are very important races. The most important race this this fall, besides my race selfishly, uh, is obviously our Supreme Court races. And I cannot stress that enough with voters. That's one of the leading messages that I have and that my team has when going on talking with voters is how important the Supreme Court is. Uh, for now and for going forward. So I uh, feel really good about re-election, but again, not taking anything for granted. Uh, we do have an opponent. Uh, we're gonna get out there uh, and work as hard as we can to put us in the right position uh, for that November 8th election.
0: So I just want to remind our listeners, you know, if you're not registered, and I'm always surprised at how many people are not registered and who don't go vote. If you're not registered, go do it. Go do it now. You can do it online. Uh, You know, these elections are so important. I I think that you sort of give up your right to bitch and complain about what happens out there. If you're not registered, if you don't go vote, you really have to participate in these elections because that's where it all begins. If we don't get the right people in office, we can't pass the right laws, we can't defeat the bad laws, and it all starts uh, on election day. You, you, you have to be registered. You have to vote. What what would you say about that, Tom? I mean, everybody needs to be registered and vote, right? Everybody needs to be registered and vote. Everybody
1: needs to get their neighbors out to vote. Uh, you know, here in Butler County, we have a um, a pretty strong conservative county, uh, pretty strong Republican county. Um, and a lot of times you talk to voters and they'll say, oh, you know, Republicans are going to win. You know, why should I go vote? Well, your vote matters here in Butler County because we're trying to offset votes in uh, Cuyahoga County and Franklin County and Hamilton County. Uh, we're trying to, you know, make sure that we get as many Republican votes as possible for our entire state. Uh, and I think that to your point about if you don't vote, you can't complain, That's that should be very true. That 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 should uh, be something that resonates with with people because uh, so many times we, we see people that, you know, they would skip uh, an election. Oh, it's, it's, it's just this election or it's, it's not a presidential election. I'll, I'll vote in 2024. Well, 2022, we we've seen in the last year and a half, how important, um, state legislatures are, uh, how important the governor's uh, see is, uh, in the last two years or so. So I think people are starting to realize how important uh, state government can be uh, and how important, how important local government and their officials and representatives can be. So, uh, I know down here in Butler County, people are getting more involved. I'm very thankful to to see that. Uh, hope to uh, you know have a as they call it a, a red wave this November uh, and get some uh, get some more colleagues uh, to the Ohio House uh, from the Republican side. So we'll continue to advocate, to work with our colleagues, to work for our colleagues uh, on their campaigns uh, where we can. Uh, but Dean, I really appreciate obviously everything that you guys have have done for me with um, the, the endorsement the A-plus rating. That, that is huge. I uh, hope to continue to be a, a partner with you guys and to work uh, on the Second Amendment and other issues here uh, for the state of Ohio.
0: Tom, I just want to thank you for the great work that you're doing in the House for being a true Second Amendment champion. You know, that A-plus, that kind of a grade, that is very rare. We do give A's, but the A-plus, to, to earn that, you have to be a real advocate. You have to go above and beyond. Very few people get an A-plus from us. So thank you for, for doing that and putting the work into it. And thanks for taking the time to be on the podcast. You know, we really look forward to your election victory and look forward to working with you in the next legislative session.
1: Thank you, Dean. I really do appreciate that. You have a great day.
0: That's all for this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. If you enjoyed the podcast, I urge you to subscribe. And please subscribe to the Buckeye Firearms Association newsletter at buckeyefirearms.org. If you'd like to become a member and support the work of BFA, go to joinbfa.org. Use the discount code PODCAST to get $10 off your membership. That's joinbfa.org. We'll see you next time on Keep and Bear Radio.